Ladies and gentlemen, please notice that exits are conveniently located at the front and rear of this auditorium. When leaving the theater, we suggest that the exit at the front of the auditorium will allow you easier access to the parking areas. Thank you. Season five begins. Nice. The season of the audience this is going to be a good one because oh, this is not yeah. a forgotten gem. Today we are doing Mike Field's favorite movie. No, that's incorrect. How do you let some guy talk to you like that? That's yeah. You never once did I smile. Never once did I laugh. While I watched this movie with a, my mouth agape, I could actually feel my soul leave my body. Hello, I'm Mike Butler. And I'm Mike Field. And you're listening to the Forgotten Cinema Podcast. As you may know already, each episode we highlight a film that, for a variety of reasons, was forgotten by audiences. Whether it be because a more popular movie was released at the same time, or the movie simply didn't catch on with an audience in its initial run. But this season, we're not picking the movies. You, the audience, have selected our films. We're going to discuss what we love, like, or maybe not like about your movie, but we thank you for sharing your passion for the film. And as always, we recommend that everyone revisits the movie we're talking about this week. You never know. You could discover your own forgotten gem. If you enjoy our podcast, please feel free to let everyone know by rating, reviewing, subscribing on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to this podcast. Nice job. Thanks, man. So we are doing... The 1985 blockbuster sensation on video and DVD release. (laughs) (laughs) We're doing the movie Clue. And Clue was suggested to us by two people. One, my mother, Anne-Marie Field. Yay. And two, Alex Big Smalls from, we got him through, he's he's an Instagram friend. And he is at NSF underscore network. So hopefully right now you're going to find out why they both selected this movie. Before we get into the, you know, fun stuff of t- us talking about it. So uh, take it away, guys. Hi, I had seen Forgotten Cinema was taking suggestions for movies and I thought of Clue immediately. The classic lines in that movie are quick and the actors who give them are amazing. There's so many great actors in that movie and it's so underrated. You have Madeline Kahn, you have Tim Curry, Eileen Brennan, Martin Mull. I mean, I can go on and on, but again, the classic lines, the physical gags where you have to watch the movies to watch the physical gags that come up, whether it's crossing their legs all at one time, simple items. Though one-liners like I mentioned before, the big things, the one plus two plus one plus one. The talent was just so underrated for this movie. And I really think that people should watch this. And then the ending, even though you have your standard ending, then all of a sudden you've got two extra endings, which could have happened. It leads to the enjoyment of the movie. I also wanted to mention that I went online looking to see if there were any gag reels for this movie and there weren't. None at all. They were actors talking about making the movie with like Madeline Kahn, but no gag reels at all. Hi, I'm Biggs from the Box Office Battle podcast. Uh, One of the reasons why I like Clue is because I think it's got a really stellar cast. You got Madeline Kahn kind of at the end of her prime. She was just throwing fire in Mel Brooks movies and some stuff in the 80s. She was just really good. You had Christopher Lloyd, who seemed like he was in every other blockbuster in the 80s and 90s. You had Tim Curry was in top form playing the butler. And even Martin Mole, who normally wouldn't be a very big character in a movie, he nails it. It's a perfect comedy for its time. 
It's got the three endings, which is a pretty interesting little history there. I know they played them in different movie theaters and they collected them all in video cassette. And that's actually the other big reason why I have a soft spot for Clue was when I was a kid, we had a VCR and you had to rent everything because the tapes were 100 to $130 a tape. And that's 80s money. And then Clue was one of a couple of movies that they put out testing the market to see if there was actually a home video market, if people would go out and buy these tapes if they dropped the price. And so I think my mom bought it for like $19.99. And that first year we had Clue, we probably watched it like a 100 times because it was right there at our fingertips. So I definitely have warm, fuzzy memories of Clue. Some good points. I, I enjoyed that. Some good I enjoyed points. That. I got that. Right, yep, right. Yep, yep. I agree uh, with some of them, maybe disagree with others. Absolutely. So for those who don't know what Clue is, I would think, I mean, this is a tough one because it's not really, you can make the argument that it's not forgotten. Yeah, I know we just, we discussed putting it on the list and then right. didn't put it on the list earlier. But we can, we can always, I've always told people we can tell, we can make anything forgotten. We just have to put a spin on it. There are ways that this is forgotten, I think. Yeah. So we'll, uh, we'll, we'll get to that, but I'm going to read a quick synopsis, but honestly, you know, it's... It's easy to explain. It's the game. <laughs> it's actually the first movie to be based on a board game. I know that Battleship was 2012, mm-hmm. but I can't think of another board game that was. I know Monopoly has been in the works for years and years and years for Ridley Scott. Right. But there really hasn't been another game. I mean, there have been chess based movies. Yeah, but that's not, <laughs> I guess. That, I don't know if that counts. Uh, so this movie is obviously, I said, based on the popular board game Clue. It's a dinner party hosted by Mr. Body, where he admits to blackmailing his visitors. And these visitors, these guests are all given aliases. And of course, if you played the game, you know that Mrs. Peacock, Miss Scarlet, Mr. Green, Professor Plum, Mrs. White and Colonel Mustard. Those are all game pieces in the game, although they have changed it. The new Clue is different. It's not Mrs. White anymore. It's oh, I forgot her name because we have the game here. It's, she's a physicist or something now it's not white it's not or maybe maybe it is maybe it's dr white or something like that i you're giving me that look yeah. i should have i should have looked at it. it's it's a different I, I i because I, I think in the original game mrs white was a maid and she didn't really have her own job or something like that so i think they just made it a little bit more i mean I don't know. like she's a she's like a a physicist or she's a and this is the board game i'm talking about or she's a she's a doctor of something. She's got she's got a major career. Maid is a job. Doctor Orchid. That's what she's. Her name is Doctor Orchid. Yes. So she's purplish. Like no, she's it's still white, but it, it she still has white and purple. But it, her name is Doctor Orchid. That's what they change it to. Mm, I don't know. I don't oh, like stop. That. Anyways, they all show up, and then when Body and then Mister Body hands out a bunch of the weapons, he hands out all the weapons which you obviously play within the board game: the, the rope, the lead pipe, the. The wrench, the revolver, wrench, the gun. Yeah, all that stuff, all that fun stuff that you murder people with. And he basically wants to kill the because uh, there's a character. We'll, we'll get into it. Anyway, so he basically turns up dead and then they have to try to figure out who killed who and who killed what and, and where and with what and all that stuff. So I'm, I'm not explaining it well because it, it's really simple. It's a simple story. It's it was a simple story. Game. And then that summary just kind of <laughs> why don't you shut up? <laughs> so his clue came out on December 13th, 1985. So this movie is. 35 years old? Is that math accurate? Yes. It will be 35 it in will December. Be 35, yeah. Runtime of 94 minutes, rated PG. Would it be PG 13 now? I when I saw it was PG, I was like, it's PG? 
Yvette's boobs are like everywhere in this well, movie. Well, and also some of their, and they kill their people. discussions when she's talking about how she runs a brothel. Yeah. And all that stuff. Christopher Lloyd's character. It probably would have been PG-13 now. But this uh, is post Temple of Doom, right? Well, this is 85. So now this is Temple of Doom here. Well, may, I don't know. Maybe we were cooler back then. We weren't as uh, uptight now. <laughs> Production budget of $15 million. It's opening weekend. It did $2 million. And it's domestic and worldwide were the same because obviously it didn't get a release international. It did only 14 million. So not a hit, obviously. This movie is obviously a bigger hit on DVD and VHS, home box office sales, all that stuff. A sleeper hit, if you will. A cult following. Yes. Yes, a cult hit. So like I said, it came out on the 13th of December. That is the same day as Jewel of the Nile, the sequel to Romancing the Stone. And mm-hmm. I remember I remember watching Jewel of the Nile and I'm like, it's not a jewel. And the guy was the jewel. I'm like, mm, come on now. And then also in a limited release, a chorus line, which is funny because those both star Michael Douglas. So Michael Douglas was competing against each other, himself in, in this one week. And then the so the, the 13th is a Friday. The 18th, which is that Wednesday, came out in a limited release Brazil, the Terry Gilliam movie. But then the following week, the 20th. Now, this is December we're talking. So these are obviously the movies that are for the the not the Oscar season, but for the holiday season. You had 101 Dalmatians in a re-release. You have Out of Africa, Enemy Mine, and then the Color Purple in a limited release, and the Chorus Line in the wide release. So again, Michael Douglas is competing against himself these couple weeks. Nice. The week before, on the 6th of December, you had Spies Like Us, uh, the Chevy Chase and Dan Aykroyd movie. Which I like quite a bit. It's it's funny. Young Sherlock Holmes, which I love, Mm -hmm. and then White Knights in a wide release. Now, I have never seen, you mentioned Brazil. I've never seen it. Is that worth watching? Uh, If you love film... Yeah. I mean, if you like Terry Gilliam stuff, it's weird. I do like Terry Gilliam. It's, yeah. it's definitely weird. And you liked, he did, he did 12 Monkeys, right? Uh, I, I want to say so. he did. Yes. I want to say weird. he did. Yeah. It's, it's, it's very odd, but you know, you should watch it. Jonathan Price. He's good. Yeah. yeah. I've always wanted to. Yeah, no, you should. Absolutely. Uh, this one is direct. This movie is directed by Jonathan Lynn. Who this is actually his first directorial debut as co. It's not his first directorial debut. This is his directorial debut. He's also directed Nuns on the Run, My Cousin Vinny, Greedy, which I think we should put on the list, and The Whole Nine Yards. He also wrote Nuns on the Run, but he's also known for Yes Minister and Yes Prime Minister, which is our two TV shows out in the BBC in the mid 80s that were very, very popular. Is he British himself? He is British, okay. yes. The story was put together by now, there's different people that came on this to write mm-hmm. the screenplay. But the story is attributed to John Landis and Jonathan Lynn. Now, Landis is obviously has written Blues Brothers and Twilight's on the movie. But before Lynn came on as a director and as a writer, they they had get, they had offered this. The script up was was worked on by Tom Stoppard, Stephen Sondheim and Anthony Perkins all worked on the script. And then Lynn came in to finish it up as to who put what when. I don't know. I know that Landis's idea was to have the three alternate endings. So which I love. Yes. Either, but but if you saw in the theaters, they didn't release them. Different theaters got yeah, different endings, different, right? got different endings, which would have annoyed me. So I think watching it, I didn't want. I came into this movie. Um, I was eighty. It was I was ten years old, obviously. So I didn't watch this till probably eighty six. So I was eleven, twelve when I when I watched this movie. So I was, I saw the whole thing. It had all three endings. So I didn't really ever experience it where I didn't. I saw one ending. Right. Me, well, obviously, I wasn't born when this movie came out. So yes, same, <laughs> same with me. You're 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 uh, you're young. Yeah. Music by John Morris. Uh, Mr. Morris had been nominated for music in Blazing Saddles and Elephant Man. He's also done the producers. He um, he does a lot of the. T- uh, he did basically most of. 
Mel Brooks's movies, mm-hmm. Young Frankenstein, High Anxiety, History of the World Part One, but he also did Dirty Dancing. I saw that. That's yeah. weird. Cinematography by Victor J. Kemper. He's also worked on Dog Day Afternoon, Vacation, The Candidate, which I think we should put on the list. That's with Robert Redford. Slapshot and Mr. Mom, which we both love. Mm-hmm. Mr. Mom's great. What'd you use? 38, 39? What'd you use? 38, 38, 39, whatever it took. Produced by Deborah Hill from Halloween, Adventures in Babysitting. And basically, she's produced most of the Carpenter flicks. And then edited by two people, Dave, David Bretherton, and he has won an Oscar for Cabaret. He's also edited Malice, which have you ever seen that? That's mm-hmm. that we should do that. Peyton Pace and the best little whorehouse in Texas. And Richard Haynes is the other editor, and he's worked on Malice as well. The pickup artist and Lionheart. Oh, Lionheart. The uh, Van Damme movie. So I want to run through the cast for those who don't know. Feel free to jump in anytime, Mike. Eileen Brennan. Listen, you, you get the facts, man. Eileen Brennan is Mrs. Peacock. <laughs> she won the Oscar for Private Benjamin, a supporting actress uh, nod. She's also in The Sting, Murder by Death, and Scarecrow. Tim Curry as Wadsworth, who's fantastic in this movie. He's also fantastic in the Rocky Horror Picture Show, Congo, The Hunt for Red October, and the original Annie. Uh, Not- and he's Nigel Thornberry in Wild Thornberry. Correct. <laughs> Madeline Kahn is Mrs. White. Very funny. She's nominated for an Oscar in Paper Moon and Blazing Saddles. She's also in Young Frankenstein. She's, she's in Nixon, in too. Frankenstein. She's, Madeline Kahn is fantastic and gone too soon. Rest in peace. Christopher Lloyd as Professor Plum. Um, I mean, I'm going to assume people know who Chris, I mean, if you don't know that he's Doc Brown, what are you doing? But he's also Uncle Fester. That's right. Uncle Fester. Who Framed Roger Rabbit? I love him. And he's really good in Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Remember me, Eddie? When, you, when I killed your brother, my voice sounded just like this. Michael McKean as Mr. Green. He is nominated for an Oscar for Best Song in The Mighty Wind, which is a Christopher Guest movie, uh, which are mainly improvs and ad-libs a lot of times. Those movies are really funny. Right. I like Best in Show a lot. Yeah, uh, the the waiting for Guffman or waiting for yeah waiting for Guffman is really funny. I haven't watched that, but I just recently saw that watched the trailer because I was like, you know, I've never seen this movie. Let me see what the trailer is like. Yeah, uh, I, the trailer looked really. I good. hate you and your your ass faces. I think that's the line. He's also Michael McKean's also in This Is Spinal Tap and Airheads. I, I like Airheads. Martin Mull as Colonel Mustard. He's from Mr. Mom, Ski Patrol, The Player, and Mrs. Doubtfire. And Roseanne. And Roseanne. The well, he's he in the new one. He's in the original. He's in the original. Yeah. He's Roseanne's boss in the original. Yeah. He's yeah. the shop owner. Yeah. Leslie Ann Warren, who Mike thought was Susan Sarandon. <laughs> for a long time. <laughs> is Miss Scarlet. She was nominated for an Oscar in Victor Victoria. She's also from Twin Falls, Idaho and Life Stinks. Colleen Camp is Yvette. She is in Die Her With a Vengeance. For those who don't know, the new Mark Wahlberg movie, Spencer Confidential. And she's in all the Police Academy movies. Well, all of them starting from number two. Lee Ving as Mr. Body, who is, uh, I didn't know he was a lead singer in a punk band. No, me neither. Yeah. The picture of him on IMDb is like he's got a barbed wire. Yeah, he looks like hell on bloody. IMDb. <laughs> he's also in Flashdance and Black Moon Rising. Bill Henderson is the cop. That's his, that's, I swear to God, that's his credit. Bill Henderson's in City Slickers, Maverick, and the Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai and the Eighth Dimension. Jane Weedlin as the singing telegram girl, which I did not know. Two things I did not know about her, that she was in the Go-Go's, or that she is in the Go-Go's. I don't know if the Go-Go's <laughs> broke up. Yeah. And that she's Joan of Arc and Bill and Ted. I thought she yes. was familiar. Nice. I, I saw Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. I'm like, what? Oh, she's Joan of Arc. And there she is. So <laughs> awesome. And she's also in Star Trek 4. So I know you know that. You like that. I do. Jeffrey Kramer as the motorist. Jeffrey Kramer, I didn't know as well, is the deputy in Jaws, the Jaws and Jaws 2. Oh, when, really? Yeah. Nice. So I was like, damn, I, there's some stuff I did not know. He's also in 3 Ninjas Kickback, which I'm, I'm sure I shouldn't have known that. <laughs> oh, I take it back. No, no, I'm sorry. He's in Halloween too. Kelly Kelly Nakahara is the cook. She is in Three Ninjas 
kickback, but she's also in the TV show MASH, which I'm, I'm going to suspect that my wife knows because she's in it. She's got a lot of credit, so I'm sure my wife knows her because she's a big MASH fan, the TV show. And then Howard Hessman who's uncredited. He's a chief. He's from WKRP in Cincinnati and had a class both TV, both TV shows. So, Michael. I'm proud of you, by the way. That was a lot of cast to get through. You did it. Well, I one of the things that I was... Because when we did this movie, I have seen this movie, I, I, I want to say at least two dozen times. Oh, yeah. I love this movie. So, you know, spoiler alert. It's not going to be, <laughs> I'm going to be probably doing lines pretty soon. Not lines of coke. But lines <laughs> he of did movie. that earlier, guys. Yeah, no, I'm all, I've already blowed up. Those uh, <laughs> are so the motorist, Jeffrey Kramer's Jaws credits and the singing telegram. Well, these are the first time I've ever, I never knew that. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was, so I was learning something new. I didn't think I would. This time around, but let's why don't we get to why? Because why do we why do why should we say that this is forgotten? This isn't our pick, and so I'm sure that the my mother and you know Alex, if that's his real name, NSF <laughs> underscore network at Instagram, uh, I'm sure they have their reasons for why it's forgotten. But why do you think we can say this is forgotten? Well, I mean, I know we had maybe once or twice thought about putting this on our, our list, probably as an excuse to watch it again. But uh, oh, it's awesome! <laughs> I don't need an excuse. When it's on, I watch. I think that maybe it's forgotten in the case of came out on VHS. And it was a big hit. Blew up. It used to be on TV all the time back when people usually used to watch TV. <laughs> PG movie, so they're not cutting a lot out. Exactly. You see the whole movie. The first time I watched it, I think, was on TV, probably like Comedy Central. And the whole movie was on. Right. I don't remember anything anything being cut out. What's, I watched the trailer on YouTube, and there's there was a couple lines of dialogue that Aren't in the movie. Aren't in the movie. And then I started looking for deleted scenes and I couldn't find any. I th- I'm pretty sure the DVD has deleted scenes. Yeah. But I don't have the DVD. I thought I did. Do I have it? I think I do have it. I should have watched it off the DVD. But um, I think that today's audience, maybe people younger than me, I think maybe people in their young, uh, early 20s or teens probably have never seen this movie unless I, they were exposed to it by, you know, a parent or something. I think my kids will want to see it. They, were, they asked me what we were doing this week and I said, it's Clue. And it's based on the board game. And I told them it's PG. And they were kind of like, ooh, can we watch it? Can I watch it? So, I mean, I'll probably show it to them. I don't care. I mean, there's not anything that they don't get that's going to go over their head. Well, why didn't you let them watch it when you watched it? Because I have to take notes. And it was late <laughs> at night. And I was, and they were in bed. Because they got their devices. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I'll, I'll watch it with them again. Uh, I, I That's a good point, though. I think younger. I think this is forgotten because it's not. You don't go to the video. This is going to be a video store rant. It's not a rant, but basically there's no social interaction anymore at a video store. So you can't see it there. People can't say, oh, go rent it. You know, if you right. tell somebody, oh, I saw Clue. It's fantastic. It's on Prime. It we, is on Prime. Yep. It is on Prime, but not everyone has Prime. You know what I mean? So even if you tell them, oh, it's streaming, they're like, well, well, okay, well, I don't have any streaming services. Well, then how are you going to share it with them? Yeah. So it's, I don't know if, do you think it's easier for... I know they want to say it's easier because all the all the contents at hand for anyone to catch, but it really isn't easy for all content for people to to kind of like, hey, I like this movie, you should watch it too. Well, we've already discussed this a little bit in previous episodes. Right. It's it's yes, it's great that all this content is out there, but then you have all this content out there and you can't sift through it. You can't get through it. You only get what Netflix's recommendations. You don't get Steve at the video store's recommendation. No end cap kind of thing. Right. You get. Netflix and stuff, and which are all going to be pushing the newest stuff or this or this trending movie or topic, right? Depending on the times, there's no uh, unless you're part of a Reddit or a 
some kind of Unless forum thread active, where people are actively looking for can, new movies. Yes, yes, you're not somebody that just goes, oh, let's just pick up whatever. Like we're talking general audiences, not right. General audiences aren't are, doing that. Right, not, not going aficionado. on What am I watching right. this week? Right, and I think some of these movies catch, and especially when you're a kid, you're not really like that. You're just whatever your parents show you or wherever you find out from your friends. Right, and it used to be at least for me, it's like whatever you see flipping through the channels, what's on HBO, Cinemax, Stars, but now all that. I mean, yes, people still watch those, but they watch it on the apps. So it's still whatever Stars and Cinemax have. And they, they have, Stars, I was looking through what they have. Stars has some great movies, great older films, and even some TV shows on their streaming service. But no one's going and looking through their, their intense, their massive library of, of stuff. They're just going on whatever's on the main page. There are a lot of people that cord cut, but generally, no. Not a, not a lot of people do that. And if you want, I think you can get Stars for like six ninety nine a month. To do that, I think something like that. Yeah, but like you again, you need to be somebody that is up on that, and somebody that that's what you do. Like that's you. You go and seek out. Oh, I want to watch this movie. Let me go find it. Oh, let me go find a hidden gem. Oh, I like this actor. I like this director. Right. So, but you're not gonna like stumble up. Like they don't do the new classics anymore on TNT, where you flip on TNT and it's just movies all weekend. You know what I mean? You don't. You don't. You don't get that. Like they never update that anymore. Do you know what I mean? Well, and also you say that not too many people cable cut, but. A lot of people my age and younger cable cut. I don't. I, I understand that, but they're not. Again, but they're not privy. There's it's a two way street. It's you don't have like the cable, and you're just flipping around finding movies. You can't flip around, right? Yeah. If you cable cut, you're you're actively choosing whether it's HBO Max or Disney Plus or the Stars app or whatever. Or you, you, so you have from to pick your parents, and choose. Like I did. Thanks, guys. <laughs> well, that'll end. They're gonna get you there. <laughs> All right. So okay. So before we just devolves into us doing lines for the movie, uh, I guess I wanted to go through some couple couple facts that I discovered. Bring them on! Did you notice that the cars that they're driving match their characters' color uh, piece on the board games? I did not notice. Yes. That. So when in the beginning when they're driving their cars, all their cars are the same color of their pieces that are on like in the board game, and they do play off like their. They do play off their color palette. You know, Miss Scarlet's red, but she's wearing a green dress. They do do that. Mm-hmm. They kind of, you know, Colonel Mustard has oh, like yeah. a mustard um, suit or a mustard shirt tie or He's something like that. He's got a mustard tie and I think a mustard yeah. uh, lapel. Yeah. So, and Professor Plum has some purple oh, yeah, throughout so, yeah. his. Yeah. So they do kind of you do that. They 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 kind of play off that. Like Mrs. White's the 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 most recognizable because she's she's just all in black. And but like when she opens up her jacket and it's just white, <laughs> yeah, and they have the music cue. Um, that's the other thing. The music is extreme. Like you could hear the music anywhere. I know it's from the clue game. Oh, absolutely. The clue, I'm sorry. Yeah, the, the clue, clue movie. movie. Yeah. Um, so the, the music is very recognizable. I'm surprised you don't hear it a lot. You know, I'm surprised that's not lauded enough. Like people are just like, Oh, that's a great piece of music. Cause it's, you know what it is. Yeah. I, yeah. I think cause it's so intensely clue and you can't really fit it in a lot of movies nowadays. It's, it's a zany kind of, movie that I don't know if zany is the right word, but it's it's that kind of fast paced, fun, kind of almost Mel Brooks-ish tempo. Mm-hmm. I don't think the comedy's Mel Brooks, but I think the tempo is that you don't see a lot in comedies anymore. So it's hard to, you know, if you have a movie trailer where you don't want to advertise the movie, it's hard to put the clue theme in there. True. The set itself, well, I'll get back to the script, but the set it, it, it's an the whole thing's a set. Mm-hmm. And obviously the floor, the parquet floor in the middle of the hall is supposed to be reminiscent of the clue board game. Yep. In the hall in the movie, in the game, the hall is actually the front entrance where that's where the hall is. Yes. But like they make the hall in the whole thing that connects all the all the rooms the room, in, the, yeah. in the movie, which makes more sense. 
the whole thing's a set with the exception of the conservatory. The conservatory is actually from a building out when they were shooting. Oh, they nice. actually went, to, which is why you only see it once when they go in there and they, they pull the Colonel Mustard and Miss Scarlet pull the drape away. So, yeah. yeah, so that's that's the only one that's not the set. But everything else is a set. And the other thing to go along with that is there's a definite timeless feel to this movie. This movie's 35 years old or it's going to be. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't feel like that. No, not at all. And that's because it takes place in the 50s. It actually takes place specifically on June 9th, 1954, because when he goes into the kitchen to see the cook, this is in the beginning when Wadsworth goes to the kitchen to see the cook, she is actually watching the Senate hearings with Joe McCarthy and he is, he's delivering a few lines and, and, and that is an act that's live. That happened on June 9th, 1954. So right. it's just for those who are, are unaware. It's placed in time. And it obviously takes place, supposed to take place in New England somewhere. So whether it's Massachusetts or Upper Connecticut. Who knows? I yeah. would I would imagine it's upstate Connecticut if, it, if a lot of people coming in from the city or Washington or something like They're that. They're all coming up from D.C., yeah. Right, which is a heck of a drive, but yes. yes. I mean, when you're being blackmailed, you have no choice. That's true. That's true. Did you know that Carrie Fisher was going to be Scarlet? Uh, not until I was reading some facts about the movie. That she had to drop out because she was in rehab or she had to go into rehab for drug addiction? Well, that's too bad. She would have made a pretty good uh, Scarlet, but I think Leslie and Warren did a fantastic job. So Agreed. I don't, I don't know if it would have been a different portrayal, I would think, obviously. I think it would have been a little less sexual, a lot more tough. Maybe. More of a madam of the house. Oh, uh, okay. All right. One of the things I we talked about, you talked about the dialogue or the zaniness of the movie. It's like... Well, it's, zaniness it, isn't a good word. But, but I yeah. understand what you're saying. The, the script is really, it's, is really funny. And the, and the dialogue is, I know that everyone talks about Khan's ad lib, when she tells about the flames on the side of her face, all that whole thing, which why she killed the vet. Um, I know everyone talks about that. That's fine. But other than that, there's a lot of wordplay going back and forth, especially oh, okay. in the beginning. Yeah. And super I, clever. And Tim Curry has a huge amount of dialogue when he's explaining everything. Like that's the last 20 minutes of the movie, maybe 30 of him just talking about what really happened. And he's got to remember everything there. Um, but again, like, so like in the beginning when they're in the study and they're, they're doing the, they're talking about different things and she's talking about Colonel Mustard and she's, and she says, is Colonel Mustard a client? How, well, you said you knew Colonel Mustard in, in Washington. Is he one of your clients? No, certainly not. You tell him that's not true. Is that not, that's not true. Is that true? No, it's not true. Aha, double negative. You mean you have photographs like that's, that, that makes no sense, but it leads into each other. Yeah. So stuff like that. Is there a, so, or isn't there someone in this house? Yes. So there is. Yes. <laughs> no meaning yes. Yes or yes meaning no. Yes. <laughs> Can I just get a straight answer from you? No. <laughs> no meaning no. That just it just keeps going on. It's so well done. Yeah, and that that's that's a credit to the actors. It's a credit to the dialogue and the director. It's a credit to everything. And it's funny because I was reading some reviews of this, and I know that I don't like to. I know I say I only do this once or twice, but. I kind of scrolled down and one of the reviews that popped up was Janet Maslin's review when she was with the New York times. And she wrote this, uh, but clue is the only part of the film that is remotely engaging, which is the, I guess the opening after that, it begins to drag, which I don't believe that's true. I think that's wrong. Sorry, Mrs. Maslin, you're wrong. And I, I, I've, I've met her, but I've, I went, I attended something where she was like talking about a movie. She's talking about AI and, 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 but anyways, I'm just a lovely woman. But uh, I disagree <laughs> with their uh, analysis of this movie. This movie's fun. This movie does not drag. This movie's very exciting. Um, if you like scripts and if you like writing, you like acting, you like, like, there's a lot of strong people in this movie. 
it's a great actors movie because they're all acting. They all seem like they know their characters very well. They all play their characters. They play off each other very well. Not just the dialogue, but it seems some of the action is probably ad-libbed or made up on the spot and, and created by them to enhance the humor. And it plays like you could do this on stage. Well, I mean, a lot of, a lot of schools do now. There's yeah. a lot of clue. Uh, there's a lot of clue stage plays that are like a lot of schools do and stuff like that. I'm sure the stuff has changed, but no, absolutely. It yeah. is like a play. I mean, I, this is one of the first, one of the first roles I ever played in high school was Wadsworth. In oh, the nice. scene night thing. We did two or three scenes from the, the movie. So, I mean, they were all in one room, but you could easily conceivably make a set where you've got a few rooms or you rotate the set. Oh yeah. And it just, because it's such an actor's film, they really carry the movie completely. Yeah. So we talked about how there's three endings and they combine them in the DVD VHS release. Then they, you know, it starts off with ending A, B and C, but did you know that there was a fourth ending they shot? I would imagine they shot, I'd be surprised if they didn't shoot an ending with each character. Being the well, they did. They, they originally had endings written out that each character was a killer and then they had one where they all did it, but it, the movie would have been too long. So they cut it. Yeah. But they actually shot a fourth ending that had Wadsworth had killed everybody. He committed all the murders and then he, he was killed. He had put a slow acting toxin in their drinks. So they were going to die or they were dying. And as he leaves, the, the dogs that he chained up actually kill him at the end. But it was too dark. So they, say, they really dark but, they, but they actually shot that ending. And, I, and then, of course, I'm on YouTube trying to find it, but it's, it's gone. I think they just destroyed it. But yeah, so there was a fourth ending that was shot. So now I'm now I'm, now I'm interested. I want to see it. If anyone has it out there, send it to us. Yes. There's, there's actually a Clue documentary. It's a fan made doc. Uh, if you go to Clue doc, C-L-U-E-D-O-C dot com. You can watch a trailer. They did. They have interviews with Leslie Ann Warren and Colleen Camp. And I believe they talked to Michael McKean and Jonathan Lynn. So they do have interviews with the people that are a part of the whole thing. And they, uh, I think they talk about how like, you know, they were, well, at least Leslie Ann Warren talks about, she's extremely impressed with how Curry had to remember all that line of dialogue, all those dialogue. Um, Cause he had to get everything the same way as you go along. But anyways, so if you're interested in that, that you can go, go hit that up. So now what's your favorite line? My favorite line, oh, man. There's so many good lines. Oh, there's a line you always say. That's great. And then there's a line I I say, which I just like, but it's a stupid line. It's not even that funny. You always say, uh, "I'm gonna go home and sleep with my wife." I, I love that line. <laughs> I love that line uh, because Mr. Green says he's a homosexual yeah. earlier on in the movie, and then at the end of the line, when he, <laughs> I I'm not gonna let. Well, I I'm not gonna let Wadsworth here unmask me. I work for the State Department, and I'm homosexual. And he's looking through the notes like that's not even I know, part I of it. I love that. Uh, Tim Curry's reaction. <laughs> and Professor Plum gets up when he sits down. But yeah, I love that line at the end. I told you I didn't do it. They all did it. But if you want to know who killed Mr. Body, I did. In the hall. With the revolver. Okay, Chief, take him away. I'm going to go home and sleep with my wife. I also used to, I always used to say this, and I kind of still do every once in a while, but people would always give me mean looks. When somebody goes like, to make a long story short, I always used to too say late. too late, and they they always be like, like what? It's funny. <laughs> <laughs> I always say though. I always go. I buttle, sir. When anybody asks me a question, I go. I buttle, sir. <laughs> Butler's head of the kitchen and the, and the dining room. Yep. I like to keep it tidy. <laughs> <laughs> Oz is not to reason why. Oz is but to do or die. To die. Uh, quote, sir. Alfred Lord Tennyson. <laughs>
Oh, and he's like, I prefer Kipling myself. Yeah. The female the species is more deadly than the male. And he's looking at the ladies like, right, right, ladies? And <laughs> you like Kipling or Scarlet? Sure, I'll eat anything. <laughs> this is bad. <laughs> I, I, I already said it once, but I love Professor Plum. It's just he doesn't care how disgusting he is. And she's, and he's like, you know what therapists aren't allowed to do with their patients? Yeah, well, he did. And then later on, she's talking about the broth. He's like, really? Oh, he's like, oh, yeah? What's the number? And he's got the notepad out. <laughs> Uh, Miss Peacock is just so good and almost all her lines are just fantastic. Her consistent monologue or dialogue at the dining room table while everyone, no one else wants to talk. She's, she's rambling. Just going on and on rambling. Yeah. Well, someone's got to break the ice and it might as well be me. I mean, I'm used to being hostess. It's part of my husband's work and it's always difficult when a group of new friends meet together for the first time to get acquainted. So I'm perfectly prepared to start the ball rolling. I mean, I... I have absolutely no idea what we're doing here or what I'm doing here or what this place is about, but I am determined to enjoy myself and I'm very intrigued. And oh my, this soup's delicious, isn't it? It's just so great. Uh, my buddy Ryan, when we did the scene night thing, he was actually Mrs. Peacock. Oh, nice. He dressed in all this old lady crap and he was given the dialogue because her dialogue is the best part. Yeah. He's like, I don't care if I'm a lady. What? She's got the best part in the movie. Yeah. He, she's got in her head the actual peacock feathers in that in her in her hat. This is also Brendan's first movie after she was in rehab for painkiller addiction after she had an accident a long time ago. She just got addicted to painkillers. So this is her first movie after that, and I guess it was tough for her to run around. But she's also an older person in this movie, so right. yeah, I can understand. And she's running around in heels. Got, and I couldn't do that. So yeah, I think they all have heels on. All the ladies. I believe I think so. A couple of them take them off at, at different parts. Uh, when Mrs. White comes down, oh, to, 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 to make the thing, yeah, yeah. yeah. What didn't you like? What didn't I like? Well, how about this? Did yeah. you like? I didn't like Mr. Body leaving. I, yeah. I always wondered if that was his, if that was his voice because it always sounds like the ADR his voice. They do. It doesn't match up. But I don't know if it's his voice or not. I I think it is. I couldn't find it anywhere that they replaced his voice. Maybe he just wasn't very good on the day, so they had him dub his voice over. <sighs> I, they couldn't get his dialogue. But his character is very odd. His character is very strange, and he doesn't really. No matter any of the three endings, I really feel like his character doesn't match up with what they're saying. He who they're saying he is. Well, the end of the movie, the end. The, excuse me, ending C, which is where they all do it except Green. Mm -hmm. He's not Mister Body. He's the Butler, right? But like, so the then, butler. so then that begs the question. So he played along. Yeah, he was cool with it all, and then he turned out the lights, expecting someone to kill Wadsworth. I think. Yeah, there's, there's. No, granted, we love this movie. But we're not going to sit here and tell you that there's some holes in the story or the plot because you do have to. The fact that everybody's playing along, like the cook is there and the cook was Mrs. Peacock's cook, but she never saw her. She never. Right. You know, no matter how you play it off on, they wanted to get revenge on these people or they were the blackmailers or they were just agents of Wadsworth or Mr. Body getting the information or Miss Scarlet. Right. It still doesn't match up with what the action is in the film. Right. And Mr. Body's character is always the odd man out, even if he is the main villain of the story. Even right. In those times, it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. And then the cop and the motors are invited up there, but like the cop works at DC. So that's a long drive and he's obviously off duty, but he sees the car. And so he, you get the idea that he's there to help with the motorist and the motorist was invited up there. Right. But the motorist doesn't recognize Colonel Mustard. He does the at the does, end, yeah. but like, you know, that's, it's so stuff like that. Yeah. There's, and the cop, if he's off duty and he's coming from DC, why is he in uniform? Yeah, exactly. So that, yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, when you're watching it the first time, it doesn't really bother you too much, but 
on subsequent, subsequent, subsequent. Yeah, when you just kind of like, like yeah, you, you could start nitpicking it and and just not understanding. And the whole and the whole idea to split up to make sure there's no one else in the house. It's oh, just, just a way to get them. The, which yeah. is what again. This we like this comedy. Movie. That's yeah. Scooby Doo mystery. Kind yeah, of, kind of yeah. Stuff right there. Yeah. Well, like I said, we like this movie. It's just you know, if you want, if we wanted to put a magnifying glass to it, we're gonna find the faults. Oh, uh, when they're when they're chopping up the sticks and uh, green is matched with Yvette, yeah. and then Plum comes over anyway and still tries to match his tiny stick up to Yvette's just. To- oh. So I, I, I read it's just you and me, sweetheart. <laughs> I, I, I read that in in that scene when he cuts him up, he actually puts him in his hand in order. So when they all pick in order to make sure that they get they get the right one, they actually choose in order from left to right. You don't see it, but they don't. So it's not random. So they can right. do it all in one scene. They actually just pick from left to right. They act like they're picking random. But that's fantastic because that's what you would do if it was a stage play because you couldn't cut. Right. I, I, I just stuff like that is stuff I love. They let a lot of stuff play out in a wide with all of them. Plus, when you have an ensemble, you need to. Especially an ensemble like that. Yes. Yeah. I mean, that's. I mean, that's just, that's probably just a great environment. You're in, you're on that set. You're on the same set, same clothing. You don't have to like, you're not running around. You, you go eat at the commissary when you know what I mean? Like it's yeah. just, it's, 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 it's perfect. It's a nice little thing. Michael McKean and Tim Curry have a great physical comedy together. Mm-hmm. You know, every time Tim Curry beats him up and moves, especially at the end when he's trying to solve the case. Mrs. Peacock was a man. <laughs> <laughs> and when he shoves him into the bathroom yeah. and then he comes out and he's, he flushes the toilet and he gets yeah. a towel and he gives it to Colonel Mustard. Or when he tells Miss Peacock, I'll catch you. And she just falls on her arms. His yeah. arms in a circle. It's just fantastic kind of physical comedy in this movie. Oh, yeah, as well. absolutely. When you, and that's a credit to who you have in this movie because you've got strong people in this movie. And it's stuff like that. And they keep the story going so fast, so quick that stuff like Mr. Body, stuff like why the cook are there, doesn't really affect your. Yeah, no, of course not. You don't care. Because it's just, it's not even so much the mystery as what are they going to say next or what are they going to do next? It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's more the actions that they're taking than the mystery itself, which is cool. Mm-hmm. I feel bad for the cook because she, she's obviously overweight and they play off on that when Mr. Green catches her. A little help, a little help, a yeah. little help. And, 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 but like, she's, it's not like when they carry her into the study and, and they see body, see bodies gone, they drop her in her head. I'm thinking that's her. That's gotta be somebody, right? Oh yeah. That's not a doll. I love that they're so concerned with the first couple of bodies. And I love later on in the film when they finally, after they hear Yvette scream and they come down in the billiard room and Yvette's got the open her neck, they just walk in dejected and just like, then they walk in to the next room and then they see the cop dead and they're just like, so bored of death at that point. There have been so many murders. Yeah. I am a singing telegram that's when, another thing i say all the time when that first happened <laughs> when i remember when i remember f- first seeing this movie and i that scene popped up i must have laughed for the next five minutes <laughs> i couldn't stop laughing i mean it's just so it's a hilarious thing i am your singing telegram oh it's so bad i know it just blows her away how many husbands have you had, Mrs. White? Mine or someone else's? <laughs> um, she has her explanation to when Wadsworth goes through her two husbands and she's talking about, you know, he's always a very stupidly optimistic man. I believe it came to a great shock to him that he died, but he was found dead at home and his head had been cut off. And so has, uh, you know, like all that stuff. And, and they all cross their legs. Ooh. And it's like second, but your second husband also died. Well, he, he disappeared. He's an illusionist. He never reappeared. He wasn't a very good <laughs> illusionist. illusionist. <laughs> 
like that dial that that that's funny because it's it's funny it's funny dialogue it's it's written well and it's performed well and Matt, like i said before when we're introducing all the actors and role players in this movie you know madeline khan is is very very funny she was awesome husbands should be like kleenex yeah. soft strong and disposable <laughs> there's an actual book written of like a novelization of the movie mm-hmm. and they actually drop a line in there from Scarlet after she says that. And I can't remember what something like she talks about, talks about like pop. She talks about like a Kleenex box or something like she, so she actually has a secondary line to that, which isn't that funny, but they, so there's, so this movie had a novelization made of it and it was a kid's book made in conjunction with this movie to just kind of promote it. Cause they, uh, this is distributed. Like if I didn't say this already, this was produced by Goober Peters Company, Polygram Film Entertainment, and Deborah Hill Productions, but it's distributed by Paramount. And Paramount had really, they thought this movie was going to be big. Why wouldn't they? It's fucking awesome. It's I, que- I questioned <laughs> it December 13th. I questioned releasing it in quote unquote Oscar season. Granted, it's 35 years ago, it's 1985, and 85's probably jam packed with stuff because you had Back to the Future that year. Yeah, I, I, this is not a summer movie, and it is not a big time winter movie. It's not December, uh, November, maybe. Well, if we're we're looking through the glasses of 20, 2020 and and how release dates happen, this movie, if it was now, I would say like April, probably now, like late March, early April. Right. Remember, guys, we record these way ahead. Correct. So Correct. You guys are listening to this in probably June, but it's not. Yes. Not so right now, no. This is the, when you're listening to this is not the right time for this movie. Yeah. It's not the summer. It's not a summer fair. Back then, I don't know. I mean, I don't know how. Again, you have you've released Michael Douglas is competing with himself back in this time for some stupid reason when Jewel and I on course line. Michael Douglas in the eighties, man. Oh, Michael Douglas hot. That's all you need. Now you know that Ryan Reynolds is trying to remake this. I do know that. And I think he would be very good as a character, but I don't know. I think he'd be a good Mr. Green. If he if he played himself down to just Mr. Greenlow, I think he'd be a good Mr. Green. I don't think he'd be a good Wadsworth. Is that what he wants to do, Wadsworth? Oh, I don't know. I think he's got the comedy chops for it in terms of ad-libbing and and. But and what are you improving? What are you improving? I don't think you need to improve it, and I don't think you should do the original script. But I think you can do something in the vein of it. Everyone plays Clue all the time, and it's a different game every time. A different murder, a different weapon, a different room. Yeah, but you play. But you 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 make this you make this remake, and it's basically going to be everyone's going to go back to the eighty-five version, and you're going to have to do it better than that. And I don't think you can. I think the movie is. With the exception of the plot, which is obviously thin and some of the story elements, the acting and the dialogue and the direction are are high, high level. Yeah. You have to compete against that. You're going to tell me you're going to get somebody funnier than Madeline Kahn as Mrs. White? You better. I'm saying that everything gets remade. Sure. And eventually Clue will be remade. And I think Ryan Reynolds is a, a good guy to get that going. And I think if they can get a, a good script... I mean, John Landis can still help write it. Who knows? <laughs> I mean, you can still get some of the original people well, back to help. If, some jokes maybe they wanted to do but couldn't do. Will one of the weapons be aviation gin? <laughs> you know they're going to drink it at the bar. Uh, all, all you got is aviation gin? You goddamn right we do. I will say aviation gin is uh, as smooth as They're not going to sponsor us. Listen. Uh, <laughs> uh, but you can get other people. You can get like Kristen Wiig would maybe make a good Miss Peacock. Or, or even, oh. um, oh, what's her name? Maya Rudolph might make actually a good Miss uh, Peacock. Kristen Wiig could probably be a good Miss Scarlet maybe. Mm, no. No. Peacock's fine. <laughs> but you can get you can get funny people that can play these roles that would do a, a decent job. And, and maybe they don't have to be the same character. Just honor what came before. 
everyone is uh, is always going to ask the one question when they walk out of that theater: Is it better than the eighty five version? Absolutely. And I'm going to tell you right now: eighty five percent to ninety are going to say no. Everything gets remade, man. I get you. I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> you tell me something I, I don't already know. I know this. I'm saying I just don't. I know you don't get why it needs to be remade, and it. it doesn't. I don't know why good movies get remade, but because, it's going. To. Well, I know why good movies get remade for money. But if you're going to remake a movie, make a movie that didn't. Well, granted, this movie didn't do well, but it does have a cult following. I don't know. We've already talked about it. I'm torn. 10 to 15 years, they're going to remake A New Hope, Empire and Return. Oh, no. No, they won't. They're going to remake Indiana Jones. I disagree. Eventually. Maybe 100 years from now, they'll remake Star Wars, but they're not remaking it in 50. No way. No way. No way. Eventually, everything gets They're not going to remake Star Wars, the original story. They're not going to. I mean, I'm sorry, but like they haven't remade Casablanca. They haven't remade um, Citizen Kane. They haven't remade movies that are like in the lexicon of classic cinema. That's true. So there's, 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 you're saying right. there are certain ones you can't touch. I'm, I'm saying that there's just going to be people going, why? There's no reason to. You want to make another story based upon that takes place at the same time as Star Wars? No New Hope? Oh, yeah, that'll happen. Sorry, but, it's called Rogue One. I know, but you know what I mean. <laughs> but I'm saying like that, yes, but these classic movies that always everyone, they're not going to remake Jaws. Like stuff like that. They're just not going to. They may, re, they may do Jaws 6 or they may like do like a, well, maybe they would remake Jaws. Jaws uh, can be remade. It can be, but it's just not going to be better. That's fine. It just, will be remade. What's up? How many times have they done Shakespeare? I mean, things just always get. Well, Shakespeare's remade, royalty man. free. That's why they're doing Shakespeare all the time. Because yeah, you can do it. I could do Shakespeare. We could do Shakespeare right now. Let's go. <laughs> to be. That's all I got. <laughs> I know it. I was gonna continue. I, I know it before you. That's not all I got. <laughs> I really got nothing else because it's just basically I could just do quotes from the movie, and that's boring. That's boring podcast. So <laughs> <laughs> that's a boring podcast. I would say that. I mean, I appreciate that this was suggested because I get to watch it again and I get to go through it. Oh, absolutely! It's fantastic. The comedy, the dialogue, yeah. the acting, the physical comedy. I I'm gonna set. assume that. 95% of the people that are listening to this have seen this movie already. Oh, probably. So they probably all are nodding in agreement saying that, yeah, absolutely, man. This rocks. Yeah. All right. All right. All right. <laughs> so I think we've, well, I mean, I've got nothing else to say. It's it's really good. I do love that they use the multiple endings. I mean, I can't think of another movie that could benefit from that. Sliding Doors. I've, I've never seen that That's movie. the Gwyneth Paltrow one, whether she gets on the train or not or something like that. And then it just, the, the, the story diverts into what happens to her life. It's not a comedy. Well, it's not. A comedy, madcap comedy. Right. They've done they've a bunch of movies are like that. Like, what if? What, what if, if movies? movies? Yeah. What if you never said hi to that person or something like that? Yeah. But, but not like alternate endings now. But that's yeah. the game. That's like, that's, that's the game. The, that's exactly. The, yeah. That's why Clue is very well set up for that. But this is how it could have happened. Yeah. That opening the envelope reveal of Clue. I wonder if they just put the three. If they put all three endings in the original release in the in the theater, I wonder if it would have caught on a little bit quicker. It would have been, people would have been gone, going back rather than try to... I think maybe. I think that turned people off, having different endings. Even if they didn't know there were different endings, I, the first and last ending are strong. Yeah. If I got that second ending, eh. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. The Wadsworth is the hero ending works, and uh, the first Wadsworth is the hero ending works, and then Mr. Green is the hero works. That second ending with Miss Scarlet yeah. is... Kind of weird. Why? It has, the, it has that dialogue that I've memorized ever since. I, I know that line when she talks about the gun. How many bullets left in the gun? I know oh, that. Yeah. I know that. That's one, the first one. one. That's not the second one. That's the first one. The second one's right. Peacock. 
Oh, that's right. The yeah. And they're the singing. Because because in the second one with Peacock, Apollo. they yeah. go to Scarlet. She says she doesn't have anything in her. Yeah. Room. yeah. Where he's a jolly good fellow, <laughs> she's a jolly good fellow. It's weird. <laughs> <laughs> How did you know my name? Yeah. So I used to, I used to know that line of dialogue with the gun and all the bullet. And, uh, I mean, I still do, but uh, yeah. So I always like that part. One plus one plus two plus one. Right. The, two plus I'll one do one. it. Be one. I'll do it. Go ahead. Uh, and, there's no more bullets left in that gun. Oh yeah, there was one shot at Mister Body in the study. Two at the chandelier. Two at the lounge door, and one at the singing telegram girl. That's not six. One plus two plus two plus one. Nah, there's only one shot that got the chandelier. That's one plus two plus one plus one. Even if you were right, that'd be one plus one plus two plus one, or one plus two plus one plus one. All right, one plus two. Shut up. <laughs> there you go. Right, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, our time is done. Yeah, it is. So watch Clue. Thanks for listening. We'll Thanks see you. I'm, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, so join us next week before, you know what? No, yeah. No, join us next week. We're going to be doing a movie that I've only seen once in the theaters. And I've ne- never seen. And, you, and I've, heard of. I've never seen it again. We're doing, um, this was recommended to us by a friend of ours on Twitter, Shane Beauregard. Uh, he is at Shane Media Mosh. Um, and he had recommended to us to do Clay Pigeons. And that stars... Joaquin Phoenix, Vince Vaughn, and actually Janine Garofalo. It's a crime comedy film. It was in the late 90s. So I've seen this movie. I just don't remember a heck of a lot about it. So I'm interested to see uh, how it holds up. But this was recommended to us, again, by Shane Burger or at Shane Media Mosh on Twitter. Thanks, Shane. We'll hear from him next week why he wanted us to do it for Forgotten Sin or why he thinks it's forgotten on his own. Uh, but Mike, why don't you let everyone know how they can you know, find us if they don't know already. Well, Field lives at... Uh, <laughs> no, not my personal address. <laughs> oh, not okay. Now I should take that off Twitter. You can find us at ForgottenCinemaPodcast.com where you can find all of our most recent and past shows. Uh, we're on season five right now, so you got a lot to catch up on if you're just joining us now. We're also available at Forgotten Cinema Pod uh, at Instagram, uh, Twitter. We're also on Facebook as well. We post on all three. You can see our fun little commercials that we do every week that we post. Check those out. I think uh, I think a lot of people like them. I hope they like them. We like doing them. Uh, uh, yeah, we do like doing them. <laughs> we post every Wednesday. You can also find our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Pandora, wherever you listen to podcasts, we're there. Please feel free to rate and review and subscribe. It really helps us out a lot. And special thanks to Field's mom, Mrs. Field, for suggesting Clue to us, as well as Biggs from Box Office Battle Podcast. Check them out wherever you can find their podcast. And uh, yeah, that's it. We'll see you next week. I'm Mike Field. No, I'm Mike Butler. And this has been Forgotten Cinema. But here's how it really happened. (laughs) (laughs) Ooh, that could be a good commercial for us. Interesting. That's a lot of editing, though. (laughs) (laughs) Are you still recording? What's going on here? Yeah, I'm still recording.